politics, controversy, and conversation, the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe is brought to you by WVU Medicine. Obviously, every old-time radio disc jockey's uh, favorite theme song, WKRP in Cincinnati, uh, as we do old-time TV theme song, Bumper Music Friday today, with music of TV theme songs from the 70s, and in particular, songs that tell a bit of a story about what uh, what the show is all about. Uh, Bob, I work with every last one of those those crazy characters on WKRP. In I've, not, I've known a couple of them myself, Howard. Not the, I, I'm still looking for Lonnie Anderson. Where's she at? Yeah, it's the only one. I mean, I came close. There are some that were pretty close, but I, you know, I worked with the, the, uh, the newsman who won the, you know, uh, Les Nesman won the Buckeye Sow Award and was very proud of that. You know, Les Nesman actually, uh, the character of Les Nesman on WKRP, the crazy newsman, uh, they didn't give him an office, so he took duct tape and duct taped an office for himself. I knew a guy who literally did that. <laughs> literally did that. I worked for the general manager who had no clue about radio station business. Uh, I, I worked with all those people. You know, Lonnie Anderson, not quite, but, but pretty close. I, and anybody who's been in the business knows that show for radio in the 70s, which ain't the case anymore, by the way. The world has changed in the radio business so much. But and maybe that's why I like to watch it uh, sometimes uh, when I can. Uh, I've got... I've got actually videos of it. I don't think you can see it on any streaming channel anymore, but I have videos on it. I like to watch it because it reminds me of how much fun the old days were. <laughs> the old days in radio were, were just a whole lot different. So WKRP in Cincinnati. And again, the theme here today is old-time TV theme songs from the 70s that told a story, but many of these went on to become hits on the radio, and WKRP was another one. Uh, it hits on the radio. So uh, uh, we played several of them already this morning. I guess it was an era maybe where the theme songs were – TV was such an important part of our lives back then. We didn't have 150,000 different channels to watch, streaming channels and Netflix and YouTube. and We had, you know, basic TV, Bob, uh, network television, ABC, CBS. This is even before Fox. And I guess that we had uh, – uh, we all kind of had a communal attachment to some of these songs. So. Yeah. WKRP in Cincinnati. This, you know, we're still talking about the 70s. How many channels did you have in the 70s, Howard? I think we had about six, maybe, five or six. Oh, yeah. I mean, basically, um, you, uh, Channel 7, Channel 9. We could pull some stations in, 11 out of Pittsburgh. Um and uh, although Wheeling was among the first in the country to be cabled because of the late, uh, great Don Levinson, who was actually one of the founders of the concept of cable, the actual ca- cable itself. And so we were very, and that's why we had Waco cable long before we had Comcast or things. Uh, and we were very wired uh, early in the 70s. No, I'm not talking about any intoxicants. I mean, we were very wired. So we had the, the three basic channels. Uh, public television. I think back then it was called what? NET, something like that. National Educational Television. And um, and maybe an in, there was one independent station out of Pittsburgh that you get. I mean, you just, that was it. And there was no Fox at that time. Uh, there was no cable until CNN came along later. There was no cable channels of 24 hour news. There was no streaming. There was no binging. It was just. What you could get? How many did you have? I would say four or five, you said? Yeah, five or six. Uh, my mom, for whatever reason, would always work those rabbit ears. We would get WPGH. Remember that channel? I think it was W53. I think they had different movies and stuff on there. They were more of an independent than network. Uh, so, yeah, five or six, I would think, on a good day. Yeah. Uh, off the text line, Howard, we would get 247911, 13. 44, 22, and 53. I think those were out of Ohio. 
Yeah, cha- KBN. KBN was out of Ohio. That was Channel 27. W. Uh, what was Channel 33? That was also out of Youngstown. 33 was out of Youngstown. Yeah, you're right. I yeah. That. yeah. Before cable. So, yep, yep. Um, anyway, I think that uh, the t- TV theme songs were kind of unifying, and that's why they became pop songs as well. 63 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. Uh, 62 degrees at the Highlands. Uh, a little warmer here, as it always is, on my deck at the home studio. 68 degrees and 65 at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Sunny skies today. Really nice looking day. Going to be uh, high, eh, not 80, 78 or so. The humidity going to be much, much lower. Basically, a good day to go out and if you just want to sit on the deck or if you want to go out and cut the grass or take a walk or, or what have you. Uh, 813, not 813. No, I don't want to go backwards. <laughs> I want to go forwards. And 913 here on the Watchdog uh, Morning Show. Uh, text line 304-214-1600. Ted Turner was the first satellite channel. Yes, WTBS, the nation station. Uh, Ted Turner, I just read a biography of Ted Turner recently, and um, he was a crazy, crazy, crazy man. But he was a visionary. I mean, he, he saw the value of, of television. Uh, coming out of the sky on the satellites, and um, and he he bought uh, channel whatever it was in Atlanta, he had a satellite uplink, and made it into a. First of all, he made it into a television station, the nation station WTBS, and then it became uh, CNN uh, when he saw the value of, of news. It took a long, hard slog to get support for that, but of course, now it's uh, very successful. All right, coming up next, McCabe and I are going to kick around some of the Ohio Valley news of the week. Uh, That's what we have to do as the Friday edition of the Watchdog Morning Show continues. second job. We can sell the boat and the motorcycle. Like I said, one of us needs to get a second job. Wait, I heard that Metro News is giving away a full scholarship to West Virginia Wesleyan that includes room, board, tuition, and fees. What? Room, board, tuition, and fees? That really is a full scholarship, and West Virginia Wesleyan is one of the best colleges in the entire state. We need to look into that.
watch us, call us, or text us. We keep you informed with local news, sports, and weather, plus great conversation. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. Because it was a story of a guy living with two girls, and the the story that they told was that John Ritter's character was gay, so it was okay. He was living with two girls, but he was gay, and that was a little, you know, that would put it a little bit on edge. These days, that show would probably be in trouble for making fun of someone supposedly being gay when they're not. I think that I think that show would have trouble for almost the opposite reason now. Wouldn't that show be called what was it, Grace? And so they did something like that later, Howard. Wasn't it her friend lived yeah, Grace and whoever? Yeah, there you go. That's what they called it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another example, by the way, we talked earlier about TV shows where a star thinks they're the star, not the show. Suzanne Summer uh, thought, this is my show. You can't do without me. She wanted to negotiate a better contract. They said, you know, we're going to give you all kind of the same amount of money. And she said, well, okay, then I quit. I'm, just, I'm not going to do it anymore. And they brought in um, Chrissy. No, what was the character's another? She was Chrissy. She brought it. They brought in a, uh, a cousin that didn't work. Yeah. Then they tried somebody else anyway, that didn't work. In, uh, they brought in another second female, and, and you know, and the show survived. It wasn't as successful as with her, but eventually Suzanne Summers had to come back. You know, because you know, I guess selling the thigh master wasn't as awesome. <laughs> Not that big a box. Hey, <laughs> hey, before you uh, before you go to John, I want to mention. Guess what I'm doing right now, Howard. Uh, close. I'm eating Bob Evans. No. Curtis. Yeah, yes, I knew that would get you. No. Courtesy of our good friend Shane Stack. Uh, no. And it's the works. Listen to me, Howard. It's it's biscuits and gravy, oh, sausage, yes. pot- potatoes, no. scrambled eggs. No. I've got all that right here. So you go ahead and talk to John. I'm going to oh. eat. Oh, man. You got sausage, gravy, and biscuits there, too? Yes, I do. Shane, I know I'm working at home, you know, and I'm not as easy to get to as the downtown station. But, you know, you could, like, do a door dash and put it on my porch someday and just knock on the door and you know, I could get it because, oh, man, I, I hear you eat. Don't you eat in my ear there, pal. That's John. That's not me. Before we get started, I will say, and I know it was a 60s show, but... Uh, you know, Bob, if you get a chance, you should listen to the Mr. Magoo theme song. And the reason why, yesterday afternoon, about 5 o'clock, I ran into Wheeling's own Mr. Magoo in Elm Grove driving his fire-red Subaru sedan. <laughs> I've seen M- Magoo drive around Elm Grove before. That would be you, Howard Monroe. That's who we're talking about. What is, why would you people call me Mr. Magoo? Scrunched up over like you were you were squeezed up against the steering wheel. Your eyes could barely see over top of it. You're looking at the road like it was some foreign object. It was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in a little secret too, which probably is why my wife said maybe it's time for us to take your keys. When I came home from that, I'd been to a church meeting, and when I came home, I told me I said, you know, I remember leaving church. And the next thing I knew, I was in Elm Grove. That's not good, bud. <laughs> That's not good. I don't know how I got there. So. Oh. The next thing I know, I was driving are in Dayton, thick. Ohio. So. <laughs> These are my glasses aren't as thick as, as Mr. Magoo. John, we missed you last week, and I was going to criticize you, because on Thursday I said, you on tomorrow? And you said, yes. You weren't thinking ahead of time, I guess. Yep. Uh, but actually, I give you a pass, because you were, I assume, with the Press Association, right, yep. last week? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ogden Papers did pretty well. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, as always, uh, had, had good results and continue to do, you know, good work um, and, and try our best every day to keep our community informed and educated and 
entertained and you know up on the latest happenings you know and somebody sent me this this morning and i don't want to you know we don't need to talk about it but i i hadn't seen this until just today and you know and this is from another news agency in this area a a broadcast news agency but they have a headline it was about a month ago on a story it says new moundsville city building costs zero dollars for taxpayers Around the world, a, mount, a city building, a twelve million dollar building, can cost the taxpayers nothing. And, but you know, it's a, it's the, it's the, you know, politicians said, well, that's not really going to cost. It's no direct impact to the taxpayer. We're going to do it through the, you know, the sales tax. Well, I mean, who, who pays the sales tax? You know, and, and again, you know, are we perfect every day? And uh, you know, no. Do we make mistakes? And do we not always get it right every time? No, of course not. You know, we. we published what 200 and uh 312 days a year you're gonna you know you're gonna miss things but um you know it, i think we still get it right um you know 99 percent of the time and you know and i think our editorial position is right about 100 percent of the time and uh <laughs> so, no, no but thank you you know it, it was a it was a fun event first time we've been in person for that since 2019 which is that's you know one of my favorite uh favorite events to attend every year because you get to catch up with old friends and you get to you know much like when you get together with you know with other radio station owners or radio you know you mean you have such a wide range of you know daily newspapers that that you know work one way and then you have weeklies these small weeklies uh, you know where uh, you know the the big steak dinner is the big news of the week. You know where where the yeah. big steak dinner is going to be held, and that that's you know that but that's just good solid you know community that's, newspaper. That's important to the communities yeah. they're in. Though. Way to go, John! You did real good. Yeah, you you won <laughs> Thanks, an award. I think you won an award of some kind, second place maybe for an editorial or something, right? Well, second and third place, both actually, in best editorial, best single editorial. Yeah, one was on the um, you may recall the. Uh, Pleasant County Santa Gate story that uh, Steve Santa Adams Gate, broke. Yeah, yeah and uh, you know that was an easy one to write because it, uh, you know, I mean, again, they're they're selling justice in Pleasant County, which is again, you know, what three counties south of us. And the other was on the public library. Uh, you know, the don't yeah. defund the don't defund the library. You know, and I feel pretty good. At, you know, you know, I didn't know what won until Saturday night, and the story that won was was very. Or the editorial that won was really a, a really good editorial and deserved to win. Uh, I believe it was out of Huntington, and it dealt with uh, council members. And I don't think it was in Huntington; it was in a smaller community who were texting each other during the meeting on how they wanted to handle certain issues. And somebody either recorded or figured out that they were, you know, so they were sitting there under their tables texting each other during a public meeting um, to basically, you know, try to circumvent, uh, you know, um, you know, the yeah, sunshine laws in essence. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't feel too bad losing out to that one. That I I don't remember the story, but that that is interesting and something I never thought about. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I think I've seen it happen here. I'm not saying council, but I've seen it happen where I think members of a body text each other, you know, uh, during the meeting. And that, I never thought about that. That's actually and, a and, violation. And, and, again, don't want to spend too much time on it. But, you know, I, and I think part of the problem you get is, you know, say you get elected as a member of Wheeling Council. You go through some basic training that, uh, you know, teaches you a little bit about what you can and can't do. But, you know, I can recall not all that long ago a council member that I love dearly, you love dearly, and he drives, a, you know, he's, he's retired now. Um, but, you know, I mean, telling Casey Junkins back in the day, oh, yeah, you know, we email each other around, you know, prior to the meeting to find out how everyone's going to vote. So we, you know, we know, you know, and it's, is that, you know, it, it's not, it, it was nothing nefarious. It was just a misunderstanding of how a public official should do their job. And, you know, and so part of that is just, you know, on, even on our end and your end is educating them. And, you know, saying, you know, when uh, Andy McKenzie, if you recall, first first day in office, he holds a closed-door meeting, and we reported on it. You know, and it's not to, not to try to shame him, but just say, hey, you know, this is not a good way to start. This should have been done publicly in front of the public and being transparent and you know and and so it's always you know i think our job as well is to to help you know by holding them accountable to to teach folks the right way to do things it is uh, it is difficult for public officials uh, and i mean this sincerely it's difficult to conduct all their business in public because sometimes you want to say a little you kind of want to have a private conversation and you have to be careful about that when you're in, in in the public light i mean there are rules and regulations 
and there's just more a moral ethical situation too. You know, you don't you don't pre now we have a lot of times where it's all predetermined in the committee, but you don't mm-hmm. predetermine that in, in emails and text. You no, you, you know. On the other hand, John, I and you're right. We're spending too much time on this, but um, you know, I don't know that I have a problem with somebody saying, "Hey, uh, hey, John." What are you thinking? Are, are you leaning towards this mm-hmm. or not? I mean, it, it helps you kind of, you know, get your thoughts in order. It's sure, perfect. sure. Let me go back to you. Got an ed- your editorial on uh, Santa Gate was uh, one of the mm-hmm. award-winning editorials. Um, my friend Stephen Adams, your reporter and who frequently joins us here on this show, he picked up a couple of awards as well. But um, I don't know if it was for Santa Gate, but he was the guy who broke Santa Gate. And I think in the beginning, I know some other media kind of thought, oh, come on, this is not that big a deal. What's the mm-hmm. story here? And it's grown to be quite a big story down there in Pleasance County. Well, sure. You know, I mean, any time, you know, when, when John Q. Public, remember John Q. Public uh, here in Wheeling gets a DUI, what do they do? They face the fire. You know, I mean, that, that you make a mistake, you, you pay your penalty, you, you know, whatever it might be, taking classes, points on your license, big fine. Uh, in Pleasant County, they had cooked up this scheme where, you know, if you made a nice, sizable donation to the St. Mary's Police Department, um, you know, and you knew the right people, you could get out of that DUI. And it could be knocked down to, you know, a, a misdemeanor. And, you know, uh, the rule of law always And that's justice to, for sale. Yeah, and that, and that was exactly my, you know, my but I started my editorial, you know, there's a reason Lady Liberty wears her blindfold. And, and justice is supposed to be blind. If you were rich, you're poor, white, black, whatever, you know, whoever you are, it's supposed to apply equally to all. And in Pleasance County, it just simply wasn't. But there was an example of a good idea gone wrong. And mm-hmm. what we have here in Wheeling, they do that at Christmas time. I think they, sure. still, they still do it, where bring in cans of food and they'll let your parking meter ticket. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so started out as, yeah, and that's how it started in Pleasant County too. Yeah, you got a you got a speeding ticket for doing eight miles over the limit. They would knock it down to you know a, a, a small fine. You make a donation. You make a, a, a kid's Christmas a little bit brighter. You know, uh, am I going to argue? Maybe that's not a hundred percent proper. Sure. But, you know, at some point, as everything does, nobody checked that. You know, no one was there and, to check and that, it and it just the grew. Then, right. they be- then they began to go from speeding tickets or parking tickets to, you know, more serious offenses, and, and right. that's when it went over the line. So, And see, that's uh, really, to me, Howard, Howard, to me, that's really the, the value right there. It just shows so much the value of a vibrant press, and, and not to, you know, you're not, ever out looking for things, but, you know, government left unchecked, you know, people left unchecked, you know, our nature, for the most part, is if someone doesn't check us, you just continue to go because, oh, well, this is okay, you know, no one said anything so far, everyone's been happy, we're trying to give people a yeah. break on these DUIs or on this or on that, and and it just, you know, what, what starts as a good idea morphs into an illegal idea or an illegal practice and again when there's no one there to check that you know and that's what i often tell members here is hey you know we're always going to to tell people the truth and always going to be upfront with people about what you're doing it's you know, it's never anything personal it's just you know government you know our tax dollars have an, have an account to that part of our job is to ask questions uh, maybe mm-hmm. we don't have the answer so the job is to ask questions and you and I both individually and a couple of times communally have gotten in trouble with some city officials mm-hmm. uh, because, because we tend to ask questions and say, well, wait a minute, hold on a second. It, you know, is this quite right? And, it, and, and uh, you know, we tend to get some feedback on that, but that's that's part of doing our job. And sometimes the, 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 answer, the answer to the question makes it go, oh, okay, all right, I get that. Yeah, I do have- I do have a quick question. We started this discussion about Mr. Bagoo, and I see how quickly you steered me toward my other passion, which is, is you know, just community newspapering. And so, yes, very yes. good job, Howard. But, hey, that's, hey that, listen, I'm good at, at directing people around. Before we take the news break and then talk more about actual news of the week, John, let's stick with awards for a minute, only because uh, the newspaper last week and, uh, and uh, Stephen and others had uh, a lot of, uh, of good uh, – uh, good, uh, you received some good awards, uh, but other pe- people did as well. At the same time, you were having the press association. The West Virginia Municipal League was underway. Uh, Mayor Elliott named Mayor of the Year. Uh, Bob Heron honored for his years of service as uh, city manager. 
And Rick Healy down in Moundsville received the Quiet Strength Award from the Municipal League. So local officials, local public officials uh, were receiving accolades at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, again, all three honors very well deserved. Um, you know, uh, let's start with Mayor Elliott just quickly. You know, he's been mayor for six years in Wheeling, has, has uh you know, had some things not go exactly the way he wanted with two-way streets or the way he thought they might go, but, you know, has has really been able to manage the city through, you know, what now has been, you know, a, a couple decades of slow but, sh- you know, steady evolution towards something new and different, and, and a lot of things are, you know, as we've written and you and I have talked, a lot of things are coming together all at the same time. You know, uh, one thing I'll give I'll give Mayor Elliott, he's been rather unflappable. I mean, we've had our disagreements, um, but you know, uh, as, as we talked a few weeks ago, his state of the city, he he, you know, he spent most of the time, uh, just, you know, just making fun of himself, and and that's that's a really good sign. He's very comfortable with where he's at, and I think the city's in a in a really good position. You know, Bob Heron, you know, what do you say about Bob Heron? You know, he's done a great job for Wheeling over two decades, uh, really been a, a steady leader um, and very well-deserving here. You know, and Rick Healy, I don't know Rick as well, just because I just, you know, I haven't spent the time with him. Uh, but from all I've heard from folks who do know him and uh, from when he was at Bellamar, again, just a really solid manager, a great leader, and, uh, again, awards uh, all around well-deserved, Howard. Indeed. Let's uh, take a quick news break here, and then John and I will continue to talk about some of the news of the week. Suspension Bridge uh, in the news a little bit this week. Uh, uh, replacing Denny Magruder is a pretty big deal. And the streetscape, although I think that was last week, but you and I didn't get a chance to talk about it. That's actually now gone out for contracts, so getting ready for that. All of that's coming up next here on the Watchdog Morning Show on the Friday Roundtable. It's 934. West Virginia Metro News, I'm Chris Lawrence. Governor Jim Justice calling the National Guard in to help with staffing shortages at the state's regional jails and prisons. It's really important that we do this right now. We're going to end up with a bad situation. It could end up really bad. Justice issuing a state of emergency on Thursday that will deploy Guard members for up to a year and says vacancies are a big issue statewide, particularly in the eastern panhandle, where it tops 60%. The governor says he continues to support locality pay in an effort to recruit and retain workers. Authorities in Lincoln County say two men were taken to the hospital after one set the other on fire and burned himself in the process. Happened in the community of Spurlockville on Upper Mud River Road. One man had burns to 70% of his body, the other 40%, and the state police are investigating. A Taylor County man faces second-degree murder charges after allegedly shooting another man three times. Happened on Thomas Farm Road in Taylor County. 49-year-old Bureau Mingus of Thornton is accused of shooting John Stewart in the head. Mingus is a convicted felon and is now in the Tiger Valley Regional Jail. Jackson County Emergency Services Montana Bogus says they're trying to get a handle on the level of flood damage they got in parts of the county this week. Still assessing damages um, to homes, businesses, um, trying to narrow down exactly where all of the damage is hit. And from what we're seeing is all of Ripley and South pretty much is where our heavy hit um, took place. She was speaking there with Metro News affiliate WMOV Radio in Ravenswood. You're listening to Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Rite Aid will pay the state millions of dollars to resolve a lawsuit related to the opioid crisis. State Attorney General Patrick Morrissey announcing Thursday the settlement may add up to $30 million as the company addresses claims it failed to maintain diversion controls and contributed to the oversupply of opioid medication in West Virginia. The lawsuit claimed Rite Aid's lack of response caused financial damages, including ongoing medical treatment costs, rehabilitation costs, and other losses. From the Metro News Anchor Desk, I'm Chris Lawrence. Introducing Beat the Stigma, Ohio's newest game show, where contestants go head-to-head to uncover the underlying causes of addiction. Did you know many of the contributing factors of addiction are beyond your control? Genetics can be responsible for 50% of your risk for addiction. Addiction is not a decision. It's a disease, and it's treatable. Can you beat the stigma? Challenge what you know about addiction at beatthestigma.org. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy real estate as is, fast for cash. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. 
I buy inherited properties, vacant homes, rentals, commercial properties, and apartment buildings. Give us a call today and speak with one of our friendly staff members at Okay, I think Love American Style was a little raunchy for its time, you know, a little risque. Yeah. Don't they call yeah. them vignettes? Vin- What's the word there? I mean, yes. there yeah. you go. Vignettes, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, it was okay. I watched it, but I was not a, a gigantic uh, fan of that. I, uh, I don't know why. I just, I just wasn't. Uh, we're talking about news of the week here, the Ohio Valley News of the Week on our Friday roundtable. John McCabe is here with us. Hey, John, it looks like. Uh, our, our our suspension bridge got a little barge bump this week. Yeah, uh, yeah just to hit the scaffolding, didn't even hit the bridge. Um, didn't do really and make any you know any concern. Um, you know, I think the bigger news this week, I say bigger news, uh, that's pretty big news. But you know, also still kind of no clear direction on what's going to happen to that bridge here within the coming years. Um, you know, uh, Tony Clark. Uh, you know, so that there's no been no decision he's aware of. You know, the, the contractor that's up there down doing what is a nearly eighteen million dollar renovation yeah. uh, is you know putting in some new piling and reinforcing the you know the, the the structural support of that bridge and doing some other work and of course has you know painting and new lights and uh, you know new lighting and uh, but you know it really does. You know, so much is happening downtown, or so much at least is on the books downtown with parking garages, you know, new living options, streetscape project, um, you know, really that kind of that, yeah, and that one piece now that's still hanging out there literally is the suspension bridge. Uh, What is going to be the future of that? Is it going to be a pedestrian walkway? Or can they come up with some system? Again, as you and I have talked, we've written about, you know, you can't just open it back up and expect people to abide by the weight limits because it, no. it hasn't, it doesn't work. Um, so, you know, that, that's a, a burning question as we head into the you know last half of this year, last quarter of this year. And it may be too late to do this because the streetscape project was let for bids and, and the contract was awarded mm-hmm. this week or late last week. I forget which it was, but it's now preparing for construction probably would have been the right time to because if there's going to be vehicular use of that bridge there's going to have to be some kind of better maintenance of the weight limit and Mm -hmm. that probably is going to require some kind of reconfiguring the entrances to the bridge at least that's always been my perspective streetscape might have been the time to consider that but i don't think that's in the streetscape plan so um i don't know i'm beginning to worry more and more that it's going to become strictly a pedestrian bridge yeah, I, I won't disagree. Um, and, you know, I think above all, it, it needs to be preserved. Uh, you know, we we don't want something to happen where it has to be brought down. Uh, you know, that's a a great engineering feat of the you know one of the greatest engineering feats what of the nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you know, for the fact that 170, what, three years later it's still standing is, is phenomenally incredible. Uh, you know, it, it really is a testament to to the craftsmanship and, 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 and what was done at the time. Um, but, you know, it, it, it needs to be there as a reminder of the city's past. But also, uh, you know, as you point out, it's also, you know, one of two links, you know, really – uh, outside of the interstate to Wheeling Island. So if yeah. it does have to shut down, you almost think, you know, we've, we're building a bridge from nowhere to nowhere just north of Ohio County. Yeah. And so, you know, if this does need to shut down, or, or, you know, is the state ready to come in and replace it? You know, and do something, or not replace it, but build another, build a, you know, again, another access point from downtown to the island. It, it, it is a real problem. I mean, it would have been really helpful during the Fort Henry construction work to have the suspension bridge open. Mm-hmm. I get it. I mean, that just couldn't work. Nobody picked the timing on that. It, just, it wasn't possible. Um, but we certainly have seen the problems with only having one access to and from the island um, during the Fort Henry work. And a second option makes a huge amount of sense. And, and I think you make it. You know, there used to be another bridge there. Remember the, the you don't, I don't you probably don't remember, but the steel bridge, which was at the uh, end of the alley, which would go past mm-hmm. the mall center between the mall center and um, and the restaurant there. Uh, there used to be the steel bridge there. They, you know, it was torn down. So, uh, if, if we're going to make the, the suspension bridge pedestrian only, maybe the state ought to be thinking about a second bridge there. I have not heard any talk about that. Have you? No, no, not at all. I mean, I think that's. You know, here's what I would say. I think folks in other parts of the state might revolt if they start, you know, if they keep dumping more money into Ohio County and into Wheeling. I mean, you know, reality, Morgantown, folks in Morgantown are are begging for work to get done. And they look up here and see, you know, a $215 million interstate project, now a $30-plus million downtown project, this bridge just north of us. $18 million suspension bridge project. Exactly. Money being dumped into Ohio County right now, which is it, it was much needed. But you know there are, there are priorities elsewhere in the state. I would think uh, a new bridge to the island would be unfortunately far down the priority list right now. But this might be the time to start talking about it, mm-hmm. and I agree. you know, get, getting it out in front of uh, folks and, and uh, in the state level and saying, you know, guys, if, if we're going to make this pedestrian only, you're losing a key access and you could have problems. Again, we saw the potential problems because of the problems of the uh, work on the Fort Henry Bridge. So uh, that's something, something, uh, something to think about. Uh, John, I want to talk about a story that actually was two weeks ago, but you and I didn't talk about it last week. So, um, and that was the the I don't know what word to use dust up controversy uh, over the Ohio Valley Pride event mm-hmm. that popped up in the middle of Wheeling City Council meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Councilman Seidler raised some concerns about it. He invited a woman to come up and speak about it. Uh, they began by talking about the Pride event, although she ended up talking more about how she wasn't in fond of the whole concept of LGBTQ. Mayor Elliott, uh, in using his own words, and he was on this show, he said he was livid about that whole uh, conversation. What do you think? Yeah, I, I was uh, really surprised. Uh, at number one, in the, uh, by the form, you know, through the form which Councilman Seidler chose to address this, and I, I think the other thing that was that was um, you know, disappointing, or uh, maybe the disappointing is the word I would use, uh, or inexcusable in some ways, is the fact that in the slideshow presentation that was given, I believe, uh, you know, uh, Councilwoman Ketchum's name was attached to almost every slide somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and that's an event that, uh, that she really had nothing to do with. And so, it, you know, I, I, can, I can attest to you that, you know, I'm sure if I took, you know, if, when the Italian festival was going on at 11, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I would not want to have a bunch of kids down there, you know, seven and eight-year-old right. kids, because you're going to hear things. You're going to see people staggering around, acting foolish, and, you know, because they're having a good time. Um, I just talked to a friend of mine yesterday who was complaining about specifically that. He said, we didn't even go to the Italian festival this year. He says, to go in the evenings, I I have kids, you know, there's there's smoking and there's terrible language and nobody. He said, it's just not a family event, so he doesn't bring his kids. So I I think your point you're getting to, I don't mean to jump ahead of there, is that, you know, you got to make decisions. Where do you want to bring your family? 
Right, exactly. And, you know, that weekend with the Italian Fest, you had the Greek Festival, which is, you know, a much more family-friendly event. It's a it's a neighborhood church-based community event as opposed to the Italian Festival, which is a bigger, broader, uh, you know, reach throughout our region. Um, and, and But they both you know, serve totally different audiences. So, you know, with the Pride Fest, I don't, you know, I don't know anything about the specific allegations that, that were made during the meeting. I just felt it was really out of place. Um in terms of how it was presented and the form in which it was presented. And then, you know, and again, including uh, Rosemary Ketchum, uh, you know, some sense as if she had pushed all of this agenda or something. Uh, I, I was, 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 I'm just not sure the reasoning for it. Other than the cause division, that simple. The mayor on the show, on the show, um, a day or two afterwards, said he's wrestling, you know, he has always been a believer, he said, in, in free and open public comment, you know, letting people come, say what they want to say, but he said he's beginning to think some people come week after week and say the same thing week after week. He says maybe maybe it's time to somehow limit that, and I don't think he has any idea, nor do I, but uh, has, has this public comment stuff got out of hand? You know, there was a woman who spoke at the school board uh, a month or so ago, that a lot of people felt just shouldn't have been allowed to go on because it was a lot of misinformation and really not even particularly to the school board. Um, you know, we're all into this, let everybody speak, everybody speak, and I'm in favor of that, but maybe, I'm just saying maybe, maybe there need to be some a little more regulations on that. So then Howard Monroe's suppressor of free speech, that's what you're telling yeah. me, right? Uh, as I said, maybe, because I'm not sure how you do it, uh, but I... I, I, I see challenge. the concern. I see the concern. Yeah, you know, I, I, I won't disagree with you. I, I'm always going to err and, and not err. I'm always going to stand on the side of of freedom of speech. And, and, you know, at a council meeting, at a school board meeting, uh, you know, that should be respected. Now, granted, somebody gets up and starts cursing and, you know, and, uh, and, and making you know, personal attacks. And that really is the challenge. Again, we have, we have devolved, uh, I guess you can say, from respectful debate you know, one, gen two generations ago to where now people get up and, and will just say whatever. And, and it really, you know, I mean, have you seen some of the things that, uh, I'm sure you have some of the, you know, some of the online comments that came out after the, they raided Mar-a-Lago. You know, people, yeah. uh, people want to start a civil war. Uh, you know, and it's just Absolutely. like, I mean, where, where, how did we get here? But, you know, and, and that is really what no one, I mean, everyone can kind of figure out how we got here, but, you know, the cat's out of the bag, and I don't know if it can be put back in or not now. You know, that I, it I is. I don't either. I don't, ha I don't know how you do it. I think it's yeah. the mayor wants to think about it, and I think it's worth thinking about how you, how do you regulate that. John, and yeah. I, we have, again, a whole bunch of stuff left to go to talk about by amount of time already. Mr. Slider, you had something? Yeah, Johnny, before you get, I got a quick question for you because you are one of the smartest guys I know. So think about. I know about three people. Well, I know Howard. I I, I got you a little bit ahead, of Howard. But uh, okay, John. Here's a question. You go you go through Dairy Queen. You order yourself a, a milkshake. She hands you the milkshake. You take your straw before you put the straw in the milkshake. You take a real good look at it and you ask yourself this question: How many holes does that straw have? How many holes does it have, John? Well, it doesn't have any holes in the straw. Got two openings. There you, well, okay. We'll take that as two holes. Okay? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Johnny. See you next week. Take that, Howard. Bob Westfall is next.
Wisconsin Auto Group Studios in downtown Wheeling, in the heart of the Ohio Valley, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. Maybe the defining show of the 70s, Bob, uh, All in the Family. That was the, the moment in which television comedy really turned around. It was the first, I think that was the first song we played when we began doing old-time TV theme songs about a month ago, right? Well, it probably was, because think about it. It was one of the absolute best. The, the, the theme doesn't connect so much with the bunkers, but it tells the story of how, how Archie believes, you know, how things were back then. It isn't quite a story like we had with, you know, some of the others, um, whether it's the Beverly Hillbillies or Gilligan's Island, where they literally tell a story. Um, but that the, the song defines what the show is all about. These are folks who are still stuck. I don't say stuck, but, you know, stuck in the past. They're, they're, the world is changing. Um, you know, racial issues are coming to the forefront. Uh, got the welfare state, you know, like that. And it kind of defined what the what the underlying current in the in the uh, bunker household was all about. And that show, as I said, was the the defining show of the 70s. It's where things completely turned around and we began to get programs that reflected more um, realistic. Yeah, is that the right word to use? I think so. I, I think that's a real good word. We all, Again, we talk about it all the time. We talk about the show. We all knew an Archie Bunker. He might have been our uncle. He, he might have been our next-door neighbor. But we knew somebody like Archie. It, it wasn't that big of, of a deal back then. The thing that I, maybe we should all go back and watch the show again is in today's society, we see too many of us see someone acting like Archie Bunker, and we just think they're evil, terrible, horrible people. They should just die, you know? I mean... And what we saw with All in the Family was this was a guy, Archie Bunker was a guy who was just stuck in a world that was changing. He did have a heart of gold. You know, he, he treated the dingbat uh, almost like a servant, but he loved uh, Edith. He, he treated Meathead and Gloria, you know, but he was, a, he was a good guy, just thoroughly confused. And maybe we ought to be reminded of that in this day and age as we see all this political divide. And so many of us, we read one comment from somebody on a Facebook page, and then we just go, bam, 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 you know, you're no good. And and I'm talking about my side of the aisle does that. You know, the progressives do that. We, we hear something from someone, and we don't stop to think about, wait a minute, why do you believe that? How, you know, are you, a, are you actually a good person deep down inside? I can think personally right now, Bob, of several people I know that are really nice, good people. Care for their family, they're good. Uh, they're, they're good friends. They're good, you know, neighborhood companions. Uh, but if the, if the issue turns to politics, I just want to smack them in the face. You know? oh, yeah, that's why they say don't talk to them about that. Time. Those are great words, Howard. And, and and I'm so glad you said it that way because we're going to pay tribute to Archie Bunker. I have something uh, that I found this morning uh, th- that is really top notch. Now we know the opening theme. There was a closing theme, and we just heard the piano playing. It's a little catchy tune. The name of the tune is Remembering Me. Now, let me tell you, boss, if we, you and I ever heard this song on the jukebox, we wouldn't have had a dry eye. And we're going to listen to, going out, we're going to listen to uh, Archie Bunker sing Remembering You. Thank you. 
From ABC News, I'm Brian Clark. Some congressional Republicans continue to question the Justice Department's decision.